You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. I'm Doug Mason. And I'm Dave Walters. Well, today we have a really looking forward to this discussion with Mike Roth from uh, NACFI. I I became aware of NACFI a few years ago, uh, probably about five or six years ago, when there was talk about this new outfit that had put together reliable information for uh, truck performance in a lot of different domains, uh, light weighting, fuel efficiency, just different things. We started watching them, and just over and over again, we kept hearing back from the fleets that this is exactly what they needed. And, and so we wanted to bring Mike in and, and sort of get the background of where they came from and, and where they're going there with NACFI. And uh, so uh, really, Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, it's good to hear fleets are saying uh, that we're doing something right, because that's, uh, you know, we'll get into it, I'm sure, in our time together. But, you know, end user fleets, those that are, you know, making the decisions on technologies, I mean, there are there are first audience. I mean, there are there are core audience with the work we do. Of course, after that, I always say that there's, you know, just everyone else that's in in trucking because um, after that, it becomes everybody. I mean, it takes a village to do this work and all organizations, companies, nonprofits, et cetera. But the fleets are really key to, to making this happen. Yeah, and they're a tough customer. There's all sorts of uh legends going back, people trying to come in with a bunch of computer models and ideas on the way things ought to be. And and the fleets aren't really interested in in theory. They're looking for concrete information that they can use. And so, you know, to break in and build that trust with the fleets is a real challenge. And that's something that we have, you know, the the Alcoa wheels and and especially uh, the three of us really feel very strongly that really focusing on the fleets and making sure that their needs are being met, that their voice is being heard, our ability to influence the organization really is focused on that. I mean, first of all, it starts with the fact that these trucks are tools and it's not an emotional decision hardly at all. You know, when we buy our cars, right, we want to, you know, we like the color, we like the seats, we like a number of things, which may or may not be functional. So trucks are are very much a tool and functional first. And then there's such diversity in uh, use, you know, whether it's the application and the duty cycle that trucks are operated in, even the states that they operate in. I mean, there's, you know, state regulations, not just federal ones. And so there's just a wide different diversity. So, you know, you you hear a lot today about authenticity. Well, trucking has been authentic forever and these fleets, they want it to work for them and their duty cycle and application and their own business model. Sometimes it's not even sort of duty cycle dependent and they don't want the BS if, if it's not, you know, so if you're talking about a Michigan dump truck to an Arkansas dump truck operator, it doesn't work. And so, yeah, and that's why I kind of spent my whole career in this and why I enjoy it so much. It's pragmatic decision makers and data that needs to be, you know, for their particular case and for manufacturers like yourselves that that are up for all that will be successful. And if not, they go away pretty quick. Absolutely. 
going into about your background, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where did you come from and, and oh, how did you goodness. get to where you are? Yeah, big farmer from Ohio. Um, that's news to maybe some people that even know me. <laughs> but, um, you know, grew up in Ohio around equipment and uh, went to Ohio State Engineering and, uh, you know, and started my career at a radiator manufacturer that was actually owned by Cummins and then later moved to Navistar. So I, I had about 23 years split equally between Cummins and Navistar doing really more jobs than I remember. Um, I, I was sort of a utility player in engineering and plant management and materials. And, and you know, after those 25 years or 23 years, something like that, you know, went off and, and really helped start this North American Council for Freight Efficiency. And, you know, at the time, it was sort of a scary effort because it, when I started running it, basically, we had no money, no sponsors, just an idea. And now, um, you know, in 11 years plus later, I uh, really feel like we're we're making a difference in a way that's meaningful for the, for the industry. So always loved trucking and been an efficiency sort of minded guy. You know, there's always a better way to do stuff. And so burning less fuel, saving emissions. And, you know, that, that originally uh, for NACFI was around saving dollars, cost per mile. And now it's sort of grown into getting off uh, you know, our dependence on oil and, uh, and actually a sustainability clean air effort all together, whether it's diesel trucks or even some of these alternative fuels that are emerging, including electric. At the same time, maintaining that view on cost per mile, because that, you know, as we were talking a moment ago, that pressure hasn't gone away. Right. So you, you really are just like the rest of the industry fighting a two front war, aren't you? Yeah, it's absolutely true. There may be a small amount of patience or not. There's a big amount of patience, but also a small amount of, uh, of knowing that some of this movement to zero emission vehicles and so forth, which were which we've definitely uh, started, we believe at NACFI, that the early days are going to cost us some money. That's why, you know, incentives by governments and, and other entities like utilities, et cetera, are really important. And the fleets are sort of seeing that, hey, if we're going to really get to a world where we have little emissions from trucks, it's going to take a while for one. And two, in the early days, it's going to cost us some money, either in upfront cost maybe in some operating costs until we, you know, until we begin to scale. So yeah, I, you're definitely right. But we all know we need to do something that, uh, you know, I call it the big transformation. It's, it's started and we'll see how far and how fast it goes. So what are the technologies you see in the big transformation? What are these uh, huge trends that are going on that you're seeing at least? Well, let me uh, first state, you know, so NACFI's first five or six years was all about tractor trailers and burning less diesel. So we we got in the weeds and you know, you mentioned fleets in our reports. So we did confidence reports on everything from aerodynamics to tires to light weighting to powertrain technologies. I mean, we've been following 85 technologies on tractor trailers that are are yet to really saturate, meaning, you know, a a truck or a track a trailer, you know, it's standard and only sort of technology. So a lot of technologies. And, and you know, that's gotten us from six to eight, to 10 plus mile per gallon on some of these tractors. So huge fuel savings there. And and that that continues. And it's really important for all those diesel trucks that are built today. I mean, we're going to build a thousand diesel truck, a thousand diesel heavy tractors today, right? So right. if they're more capable of 10 mile per gallon than six mile per gallon in their basic spec, um, and then, you know, we help drivers and we help with uh, maintenance and all those things as well. We can burn one heck of a lot of less fuel. And, you know, I think this week we're at 340 a gallon. And so, you know, every gallon's expensive. So we need to save as much as we can. And then what we're 
what's really caught McAfee moving forward is battery electric trucks, hydrogen fuel cell trucks, hybrid trucks, and the industry won't have as many fuels as is being discussed. I mean, if you open everything from yesterday, I got or last week, I got a call on renewable propane, and it wasn't even on our list of a couple of dozen fuels that might power trucks going forward. So not all of those will be a part of the future, but you know we're pretty sure battery electric and hydrogen will be. And so getting prepared for that, ready for that. And you know, the last thing I would say about this transformation is that it takes all of it. It's not, it's not an either or. It's not, you know, lightweighting and low rolling resistance tires and, and fine-tuning your powertrain for the duty cycle. Most all of those things will also help the range of these alternative fuel vehicles and save on the electricity that we need for a battery electric truck. So efficiency is critical in, in being successful with these alternative fuel trucks. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of bleed over. When it comes to efficiency, that serves everybody. You know, that, that helps the electric vehicles, it helps the hydrogen vehicles, and of course it'll help the, the diesel vehicles. And you know, technologies like aerodynamics, for example, at least in my mind, that's sort of a no-brainer for everybody. Yeah, but if you don't mind, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit, or rabbit okay. trail, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Down that rabbit trail. So part of what we're interested in is, you know, we saw natural gas, especially compressed natural gas, scale a bit last decade and then fall off a bit. And some of the same uh, companies uh, that looked at compressed natural gas, so, you know, Ryder, Penske, Frito-Lay, I could go on and on, but they are also the ones that are first in line, it seems, for battery electric trucks. And, and part of that is because they return to base, they don't always have long range, et cetera, et cetera. And that helped compress natural gas trucks. But as my team, as we, as we looked at what happened with natural gas trucks, <laughs> sort of like who killed the electric car. So when we kind of look back at what happened, one of the things that happened is exactly your point. We, we worked so hard back about 15 years ago to get a compressed natural gas engine into a truck and the fuel tank needed for those tanks needed for that compressed natural gas. We as an industry seem to forget all of the efficiency work we were doing. So the early tractors, the early CNG tractors had these huge cabinets behind the cab. They stuck out past the cab. The trucks had no aerodynamics on it. They had no skirts. They had no, uh, and they had bad tires. We found instances where they weren't, you know, uh, uh, idle reduction wasn't, you know, at all considered. And uh, we really found that out after we looked at the fuel efficiency of the compressed natural gas. It was like tractors in the early days. It was like horrific. And, and you know, everybody said, well, that's just because you're burning natural gas. Well, to an extent it was, but to a bigger extent, it was the fact that we could not get or did not buy these efficiency technologies on those early natural gas tractors. And so as we look at battery electric trucks, we just, I mean, if, if you if you just step back and think six to 10 mile per gallon on a diesel truck because of efficiency measures and because of the way the truck driver's driving the truck, et cetera, et cetera, that's ginormous. And so if you have a, let's call it a 200 mile range electric truck, but you're putting bad tires, you're putting bad aerodynamics, you've got a driver that's not paying attention to driving and, and, and on and on, that 200 mile truck will be 200 miles. But if you 
do put all of those things in place, a 200 mile truck might be 300 mile truck. Well, that's, that's ginormous and saves a lot of battery, et cetera. So we feel like we're onto something and we're encouraging all the battery electric truck companies to do everything they can to make that truck efficient, including light weighting. I'm not saying they're not doing that, uh, guys, but it's something, you know, we all, we all have only so much we can focus on and they're working on getting the battery electric powertrain in first. Right. And worrying about efficiency later. And, and we really need to do them both to your earlier point. Yeah. And that's, sort of, I mean, and then taking it down a, another level, as soon as I said aerodynamics works for every, everybody, I, you know, I, I almost choked on my own words because there are plenty of customers out there who don't get any benefit from aerodynamics, you know, if you're doing city driving or anything like that. Yeah, I would disagree with you. There's some benefit, but it doesn't pay okay. for it. So, okay. But it doesn't pay yeah. for it. So, well, yeah. Uh, okay. So you know that the, the uh, so so you're right. I'm right. Right. We're both right. But um, we do see that there is a a big myth out there that aerodynamics doesn't work under 50 mile an hour. You know, it does work. It just may not pay for it. And really, what we're seeing is a lot of box trucks and even some what a lot of people call baby class eight tractors, maybe in beverage and other things where they do get on the freeway and get 60, 65 mile an hour for, for more time than, than they think. So if you're just looking at average MPH, sometimes you're kind of lulled to sleep that it's a city tractor when it really does get some highway miles. So important to look at aerodynamics and aerodynamics has become much cheaper and available with skirts on day cabs cab extenders on day cabs, all that kind of thing to make them um, more pragmatic and, and a better choice for some of those city tractors even. That's fascinating to me that aerodynamics are useful in those those market segments that have historically been thought of as city trucks. Uh, like you said, beverage is a perfect example. I guess it makes it makes a lot of sense that they probably do spend a good amount of time on, on uh, at higher speeds where aerodynamics are going to start kicking in. I'm going to look forward to seeing the reports that back all that up because that's that's fascinating to me. Definitely. Every fleet has to look at it with their manufacturers in the detail. And, sure, um, sure, sure. There's a reason why these newer vans are much more aerodynamic, even in like e-commerce delivery, than the trucks of old. So um, to some extent. Aerodynamics are always one of our favorite things to talk about only because it's a... Uh, it's a technology that at least we see as being pretty consistently valuable. And it's also, you know, we're a lightweighting company and we have something to say to that. You know, you're adding weight to your vehicle and, and we can help sort of yeah. balance that out. Are there any other technologies that, that are really jumping out at you right now for uh, the big trends out there? Well, definitely on diesel and engine uh, trucks, continuing to work on customizing the powertrain for what the truck's going to do. So we've got down speeding and we've got engine right sizing and we have engine parameter setting You got all the driver ADAS, which assisted driver or driver assisted systems, which become fuel efficiency savings as well as safety savings because they're getting following distances and lane keeping. And th those things have a fuel efficiency benefit. So you know, there's a lot of them and they're not insignificant even by themselves. But when you start to spec them together, that's how we're seeing some of these, you know, new trucks and fleets talking about, hey, my 2022 model year trucks are doing nine, nine and a half, 10 mile per gallon across multiple different drivers. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of things. And I'm glad we're talking about it because many times in when I and my team starts talking about things, 
whether it's a reporter or different people, they want to race to the battery electric trucks because of all the things that are going on. And, you know, there's a lot to do yet on diesels. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. You, you're talking about nine, 10 miles per gallon. That would have been mind blowing. Uh, not that long ago. 11 years ago. So when there, there was a workshop that created NACFI and they basically came out of that saying, we're going to create an organization that's going to help the industry double its freight efficiency. And when I took the job, um, I got to tell you, I mean, I was like, ooh, man, that's, uh, <laughs> do I want to really uh, take on that? And, um, you know, here we kind of, here we are now, you know, we're not declaring victory, but we know we're getting more freight in trailers with different technologies. And so that's a freight efficiency increase by moving more tonnage at whatever MPG we're, we're doing. And yeah, we're seeing MPG, you know, if you even take the IFTA uh, government mileage and and diesel consumed by all trucks out there in the last five years it's it's jumped from like you know around six mile per gallon to 6.2 6.3 and when you're talking about billions of gallons of fuel consumed that's that all adds up really fast so it, it is happening that's just like i said i i remember attending some meetings with some of our oem customers and you know sort of dreaming about the day we hit you know nine miles per gallon uh, at that time we all looked at each other yeah that that ain't gonna happen well you know here and here we are here we are amazing where do you see regulatory uh trends where, where do you where do you see that going i mean carb is uh is obviously a huge part of the regulatory discussion and they seem to be setting at least historically they've set an awful lot of trends them just by themselves where do you see things well, if we take a little quick history lesson, right, we went through two decades of lowering NOx in particulate matter. And how extraordinary was that? And, in, in, you know, in getting these trucks to, you know, as they proverbial say, clean the air in some parts of, the, of North America. Uh, and then now we've gone through about 10 years with the greenhouse gas phase one. And now you start a greenhouse gas phase two where we're working on carbon. So, you know, we also have carbon and others talking about a lower NOx rule. We're, we got the ACT electric and hydrogen California rule. When I kind of just step back from it, and NACFI's not a, we're not an advocacy regulatory group, but when I do step completely back from it and look at it, I'm really, I'm pretty, pretty proud of the government and the industry collaboration on NOx and PM for a couple of decades, carbon for a couple of decades, now looking at the opportunity with zero emission and what might occur post greenhouse gas phase two. Greenhouse gas phase two put a kicker in, that's probably not the right term, for electric trucks, you know, new technologies that's actually helping spur some of the development with some of these um, startup manufacturers, you know, Nikola, Tesla, Rival, et cetera, and also supports and helps the current manufacturers. So government doesn't always get it right with regulatory. If you look at it from like a 30,000 foot level, it makes sense. Now, of course, we can debate all kinds of things, right? Too much, right. too fast. Um, did they do the emissions too fast and cause EGR downtime? Blah, blah, blah. We can certainly poke at things. But I think, and even globally, you got an interesting piece here. You got to do, you mentioned it, we do have California driving some of these things, but also a federal government that is acting usually in a way that's um, supportive of industry and industry of it. So that's sort of the the high level. I think going forward, the mix of how we uh, encourage, you know, zero emission battery electric, which is really proven to be successful in some applications now and getting better in the future as these this this new electric truck sort of continues to get improved. So yeah, we'll see. But those are uh, those are sort of the, our views on the regulatory situation. Okay. 
I'd like to move into uh, light weighting a little bit. Now, you guys have done a lot of work with light weighting, studying light weighting. What what are your the major trends, the major findings you're you've got for light weighting? I mean, I, I saw the studies you did a few years ago. What what are your yeah. thoughts on that? We did our first uh, big light weighting confidence report, I think, in 2016, maybe, and we updated it last year. So it, it, it's it's got some some good updates, including a chapter on light weighting electric trucks. A couple of the the big key findings: one, these trucks are huge and they're heavy, right? So you don't you you save a small amount when you lightweight at the you know at the weight at the weight the truck is. So the fuel savings in lightweighting is small, definitely when you think about lightweighting a car. So we're limited in how much weight we can haul. So uh, lightweighting is really important for those who max out at either 80,000 pounds or the 82,000 pounds for an electric truck. That payload is really important. Also, when you mentioned it earlier, some of these technologies that we've been adopting, whether saving fuel or safety or just driver amenities, and, and we talk about this quite a bit in both reports, add weight. So you just think about a big old sleeper to satisfy him, you know, the driver, and then you put a refrigerator in there and a TV in there and a on and on and on, better seats for driver acceptance. I mean, all that adds a, a fair amount of weight. We've added emissions equipment. We're adding skirts and aerodynamics. So truck builders have been challenged to, to lightweight because the trucks have gotten heavier. So that's a couple of thoughts uh, on, what we, on what we found in trends and so forth. But to react to that, there's not just material replacement to, to lightweight. In many cases, some of the things on the truck, there's just too much, right? Do you really need a 15 liter when a 11 or 12 liter will work? What about one wheel instead of two, one tire instead of two? Uh, you know, just, just right size your truck and that will bring fuel savings there. So there's, there's a lot of um, trends, but also strategies that can be employed to, to save weight. Yeah, we've always looked at our wheels, and uh, I, I would say, let's just talk about our wheels, Elcoa wheels, as being a, a, a technology enabling. We're an we're an enabling technology, I guess I should say. Where take a couple hundred pounds off, or depending on the situation, when you switch to aluminum wheels, it it opens up possibilities for somebody, you know, without having to impact their carrying capacity. And it also is the other benefits of, you know, and we, we talk a lot about that on the show here, you know, all the different things that come with, with that resale value uh, and everything else, but it's an enabling technology. And so we're, we're sort of, we, we do watch all these different technologies that are coming in the, and the way they consume weight. And you, you made a good point a moment ago, it, it tends to be those, those customers who are uh, very weight sensitive, whether you're, you know, a bulk hauler or something, they're always going to be looking at any sort of lightweighting technology. But even we're seeing with other customers are starting to get a little sensitive yeah, to it. Absolutely. And we believe that there's a trend. So we we, uh, we think there, you know, in, in this area, there's three types of customers, right? What you just mentioned that they go out at 80,000 pounds every day. So you save them 500 pounds, they can put 500 pounds of helium or oil. <laughs> right, right peanut butter or whatever in the truck. And that's a big deal. And then there's the folks that basically never gross out. And, you know, that's like private fleets that are hauling potato chips or other things. And then there's there's people in the middle and, and there's a growing group of fleets that are saying, you know what, I'm being asked a little more every week uh, about how can you put a little more on. And we think that that's driven by um, a lot of technologies that are having companies add more to the trailer. And so instead of taking two half loaded trips, 
somewhere they're trying to get both you know both full or they're trying right. to get the trailer full and and make one trip and that helps with congestion that helps with fuel burn helps with all kinds of things and so uh you know we we do see that growing now personally i thought it was would happen a little faster than it is but um i still have much confidence that we are adding more freight to the trucks and trailers and light weighting will continue if not be a bigger part of uh, discussions going forward yeah, it's something that a lot of people don't think about is the impact of logistic planning on how weight and logistic planning sort of work together. Yeah, another comment I'd make is we're in the middle of run on less electric. And it is a we have 13 fleets and truck builders that uh, we are highlighting over the next number of months, primarily in September. And it is, um, you know, really exciting. And so we're out visiting all of those right now. And so I was with a, a tractor trailer just last week that had wide base tires, aluminum wheels on an electric tractor. And this is a, you know, a tractor that, that right now can only do about 200 miles of range, but that's exactly uh, a light weighting approach to save uh, as much fuel as possible to get um, as much range as possible out of that electric truck. So that's a, that's the opposite of what I, the case study I sort of mentioned earlier about aerodynamics on natural gas trucks. Here's a, a real world example of some of the very first regional day cab tractors with aerodynamics and the kinds of, of, of features on that truck that will help, will help with range. And exactly the kind of lessons that were learned with LNG seems like they're 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 taking them to heart because trucking is a holistic endeavor you know you you have to take everything into account the more i've learned that when i got into this industry many years ago now uh, i had no idea how complex it was so you you see the trucks going down the road and you don't think twice about them when but when you get into the dis, into the industry and you realize the complexity and it's amazing to me what you know the, the almost every truck that goes down the road is is a unique situation that has to be looked at and considered and has its own yeah. its own strategies i'm glad you brought that up one of us today or in the next few days is going to go to a big box store and we're going to buy milk and we're going to buy some bolts and a pair of jeans or something and that store has no warehouse i mean it really literally has no warehouse so how is that 1% milk that you like or the 20, whatever your gene size is, how is it that that's there and readily available for me? Well, it's because a truck got it there and the logistics system of bringing that was successful for what for what we needed. And you're exactly right. And when we step back and, and take a detailed look at that, even for those of us that kind of can see behind the, the curtain and see what's going on, it's pretty extraordinary. Our, our logistics efforts uh, are, are, are really uh, good and strong and, and the whole trucking industry should be proud of that. Absolutely. You get a chance to get out there to the fleets and you get some pretty deep dives into what they're up to, what they're thinking about, what their strategies are. We've talked a little bit about, we touched on it, but I'd like to go a little deeper into that. Can, can you give a little more insight in the, some of the interesting fleet strategies that you're seeing out there? Oh, really good question. So top of mind for fleets are a few things um, when we when we talk to them. One is drivers, driver attraction, as well as mechanics. And so it, it's important for us all to understand truck drivers and do what we can to support them. So getting home every night or once a week, two to three weeks out at a time was common. Now, even the truckload for hire 
carriers are trying to get every driver, as many drivers as possible home, uh, you know, every week. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. So driver and technician attraction and retention, I think no matter what you're developing out there as part of a manufacturer, you, you should constantly be asking yourself what effect positively or negatively to has, does it have on, on truck drivers themselves? And so that that's one. Secondly is, uh, and I'm not putting these in any particular order, but sustainability. So every organization, you know, with the social and climate challenges we have are, um, are in the, in the spotlight of consumers, of their own board of directors, and really everyone as to what they're doing to do better uh, with these items. And so, you know, when, when, you know, the last couple of weeks working with some of these fleets adopting electric trucks, even I was surprised at how excited they are to be exploring electric trucks. I kind of thought, well, even some of these folks will tell us, ah, you know, I got, I got enough challenges keeping my diesel running and hiring drivers. I, I don't want to be part of this. You know, why am I bothering with electric trucks? Somebody else should right. do that. No, we're right. not hearing that. And then just getting the freight where it needs to, to go. I mean, we, you know, truckers had a little bit of benefit when none of us were out on the highways and they had clean sailing. And, you know, now construction's out there, construction season's out there. People are all over. Um, truckers are now dealing with much more congestion and a lot of cars getting in their way, actually making some bad decisions. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, however, however we can support. So that's what we're seeing with fleets mentioned it earlier, cost of fuels way up. So there's a lot of things on their mind, including truck capacity. So the truck builders can't seem to build enough trucks to satisfy the demand. All those things are are on the minds of fleets. And um, there's a lot going on right now, both in in the very short term and in the, and how to prepare for the longer term. Absolutely. When you mentioned about the excitement about uh, electric vehicles, I I was personally not expecting as much excitement from the fleets about electric vehicles compared to what we're seeing. That's a very interesting change from at least my impression of the 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 industry if even you know five seven years ago. Yeah, if there's one thing NACV, so one of the things that we've done is really try to understand you know, what a lot of people, the academics will call product diffusion. So what's the adoption? Why do people buy new stuff or not? And there's this other academic called the hype cycle where these things get talked about. They're interesting magazine articles and pictures and all that. And then they go through this valley of what they call it, disillusionment, I think, where it's like, oh, it ain't, this ain't as good as what we thought it was. And um, I can't, I didn't, that was a horrible grammar there. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you go through sometimes years of figuring out how to be, you know, effective and cost effective before the technology grows. I'm becoming more convinced every day that electric trucks, both e-commerce, small truck delivery, class four, five, medium trucks, class six, seven, and even regional haul class eight, whether they're terminal tractors at yards or whether they might be dredge or short regional beverage included, they're not going to go through much of this valley of, of problem. I mean, they're proving themselves now. The electric infrastructure and the charging infrastructure is is not as hard as some people thought, or maybe we're learning it quicker than we thought. Of course, there's huge challenges. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I think we're not going to see uh, a lot of that that uh, you know some are, are saying, and, and we're going to get on with it in those cycles. Now, long-haul trucking and other things, kind of a bit of a different story, but yeah, it's, 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 it's here. So 
Mike, it's been a great conversation. If, if the folks listening to our podcast here want to get in touch with you or they want to hear more from you, how should they connect with you? Yeah, that's a great question. So knackfee.org and runonless.com are our sites. Run on less, uh, of course, with this electric throughout the rest of 2021 and into 2022, we'll have a lot of insights around battery electric trucks. So that's sort of right now. But NACV.org with our lightweighting reports and lots of other interesting, there's there, there's some thought leadership reports there that, that are interesting. Of course, we have you know LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook stuff. Um, and then finally, I have my own podcast series. You can see on the resources pages there. And there's plenty of places throughout our, our website to engage with us or simply hit the contact us and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get somebody in touch with you. But yeah, efficiency, zero emissions, it's what we're about. And we're trying to hap- get these, to hap- these things to happen quicker because we've been involved. Any upcoming trade shows or events you want to... Yeah, we're, we're really excited. We're going to be all over. So from some regional shows like Expediter uh, in July to then, uh, you know, Act Expo, TMC, SAE, Comvec, uh, ATA, MC&E. I mean, we, we'll, we'll be out and about with a booth or, or a presence or speaking or something at, at nearly everything that's, that's coming up. It's in our newsletter, the exact places we'll be and what we're doing. So um, excited to get back out and if not shake hands, you know, fist bump some people and, uh, <laughs> right. and really get into the details. And, you know, right now we're out visiting all of those electric truck deployments. And, and so we will be bringing our face-to-face interactions with them to, uh, to our uh, virtual and to those shows as we help tell the story of what's going on out there in the real world uh, around electric trucks. Thank you, Mike. That's been Mike, uh, Mike Roth, uh, NACFI's executive director. Really enjoyed the conversation. For our listeners, remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And please, if you like what you hear, uh, share it on social media. To submit, if you have any questions or comments, if you want to take a look at the episode transcripts, uh, you can visit our website, elcowheels.com slash podcast. really want to thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products. Bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabrite wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa Wheels hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22.5 by 8.25 wheel. Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.